Good morning. See, y'all got that good stuff. I got to have some help to figure out what's going on with all this stuff here. How we doing this morning, Riverside? It's been a while since I've seen y'all, and I tell you, it's a blessing to be with you this morning. Uh, I want to thank God for my good friend, Kevin. Uh, We have been what we call each other brothers from another mother. And we've really stuck by that. And there's been times in my life and in my journey that to get a text, as he said, from him to say, God got you, preacher. Go on and do your thing, preacher. Let the Lord use you, preacher. Let me tell you, those are some things that just really bless you at a right time, at a right moment. So I thank God for his friendship. I thank God for you, Riverside, because you have truly been a blessing to what God has called me to do within the community, MPI. I tell you, it's because of hearts like yours that we are able to continue the mission that God has put before us. And I'm happy to share with you this morning that God is expanding our territory. As of August 2020, we have accepted a partnership with Juvenile Justice, North Carolina Department of Public Safety, Juvenile Justice. We are now able to walk alongside youth 10 to 19 years old that are already caught up in the trenches of the legal system, that are already caught up in things that they didn't see coming but can take them down the wrong road. And God has already made a way. He's made a way that if we can get them before they get on that side, the record can be sealed. If we can get them before they get over there, Oh, they can do just like the last verse in 2 Samuel 9 when it said, And Mephibosheth had a son. Their sons, their daughters can have a different life. Now that doesn't mean we're turning our back on those adults that need us. Because we have to continue to be faithful in the vineyard that God originally planted us in. And then we can take care of those other fruits that he put before us. So Riverside, I thank you for your continued support. I thank you for the blessing of your prayers, for your love, and of your kindness. There's not been one time I've been at this church that I did not feel welcome. And I thank God for that. Your preacher, your pastor said something very important. Right now, we're in a very rocky season in our country, in the world. And if you ain't noticed, I'm a little bit darker than most of y'all in here. But you're my family. You're my family. See, that's how God intended it. He intended that we would be brothers and sisters one to another under one father. And I'm thankful for that. So I'm not going to be before you long. I'm not going to belabor the hour. I could pass the plate now because you already heard preaching this morning. For we're going to give you what the Lord would have us to say this morning. Amen. I want to explain my format, those who may have not heard me. I will lay a foundation with scripture and I will paint a picture and then I will pray and ask God to bless the word going forward. So I don't want you to be confused saying he didn't even pray and ask God to help him this morning or be present. Oh, no, we're going to do that. We just do it in a different way. Amen. If you would, those who have your Bibles and feel welcome, join me in Mark chapter one. Verses 16 through 20. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. 
And for the sake of this morning's message, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It's interesting some of the things that Pastor Kevin said this morning about there's a blessing in the brokenness. There's a, there's a blessing in the brokenness. And broken crayons can steal color. Maybe I'm the only one in here, but I done been broke. Not just once, not just twice, but several times throughout the course of my 56 years. There's been some breaking sometimes. I'm like, God, I don't know what you're doing. Are you mad at me? But in the end of that experience, in the due time, the blessing showed his face. And it all made sense. When they say hindsight is 2020, let me tell you, God takes that very seriously. Can you trust me even when you can't trace me? Can you believe I got you even when you can't see me? And that's the beauty of what our God does. And I'm believing that the word he has for us today is going to fall right in line with what Pastor Kevin was saying. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. The New King James Version states it this way. And as he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Saints of God, this morning, one thing is for sure. Everyone in here, under the sound of my voice, has been through at least one test in your life. If there is one person that has never gone through anything, I would love to meet you. Because the last time I checked, God is going to be with us even in the valley. So therefore we can expect some valley experiences. But can I tell you this? The flowers don't just grow on the mountaintop. All some of the richest ground is down in the valley. And that's where you get some of the most beautiful flowers. If folk really knew some of the stuff you had to go through. And God brought you out. But here's the thing about it. No matter what you have had to face in your life, you still here. Oh my God. You still here. And the reality is, is you don't look like what you've been through. You don't look like the stuff you had to endure. You don't look like the broken hearts you had to carry. You don't look like the sleepless nights you had to endure. You don't look like what you've been through. I tell you, we serve a God that can cloak us with his grace and his mercy. And nobody else has to know what's going on behind the curtain. As we keep on living, we're all going to go through some changes. 
And it's important that we understand a key point about change. None of us can schedule on our calendar a day or a time when it's convenient for us to go through certain changes in our life. Changes come when they want to come. Changes come when God says it's time for them to come. Changes come whether you're ready or not. We don't have the luxury of saying, God, no, not today. Let Get back with me on Thursday. It don't work that way. We don't have the luxury of waking up in the morning and choosing what we want to go through. I wish I could just wake up some mornings and say, you know, I got to go through a test. It's Tuesday. So, uh, Lord, let me have a flat tire today and let that be the test I go through. Ain't it interesting how you could be going on your way and your day is going good and the phone rings and it changes everything around you. One phone call has the power to shift up your whole plan. But God, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. None of us can schedule that and none of us has the right to schedule that. We call that a divine interruption. See, sometimes God has got to step in and say, I know what you thought. I know what you planned. But I know the plan that I got for you. So therefore, I'm going to interrupt your life today. If I had to give a title to this message today, I would call it this. The Ministry of Interruption. The ministry of interruption. Will you pray with me, saints? Father God, thank you. Thank you for this privilege and this honor to assemble with your people. Now, please forgive me for any sins that I have committed against you, aware or unaware, in my word, my thoughts, or in my deed. Hide me behind the cross right now, Lord. Less of me and more of you until there is none of me and all of you. I pray for the hearers of your word this morning. That you will open the ears, God, and you will break up the the hard ground of the heart, God. That your word will fall in good ground and bring forth much fruit. God, I, I thank you, God, that today, God, today we have the privilege of hearing your preached word. And God, as we move forward, Holy Spirit, we give you permission to do whatever it is you want to do in here. Oh, God, we ask you to put an angel at every corner of this place. Lord God, have your way. And Satan, right now, the Lord rebukes you, not me. The Lord rebukes you, as Moses said. And we claim authority in this place. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Something that we can see through all out the Bible is the fact that when God is in the process of bringing about change in a person's life and aligning them with the God-given purpose, it will generally start with some type of divine interruption. God interrupted Abram and told him, get out of your father's house. 
God interrupted Moses and forced him out of Egypt to the backside of a mountain. God interrupted David, sent him into a battlefield where he had to face a giant. The same thing was true with the men in our text this morning. And the same thing is true for us. I want to go back to our text, Mark 1, verse 16. And he walked by the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Saints, I've got two points and I will take my seat. And here is the first point. We don't have a say so over the timing of a divine intervention in our life. We don't have a say so. We don't have the ability to say, as I said before, God, not today, maybe tomorrow. One of the things that we can see that all four of these men had to add in common was the fact that they were all just minding their own business. And Jesus decides to interrupt them. Have you ever been just minding your own business and then somewhere out of the blue, something comes your way and you're like, Lord, where did that come from? I did not see that one coming. I did not expect that one to come my way. You see, when Jesus shows up, he don't need an invitation. Looking back at the men I mentioned earlier, Abram, Moses, David, they were minding their own business when all of a sudden God interrupts their lives. If I were able to ask all of them one question, it would be this. What type of warning or advance notice did you get from God to let you know that you were going to get ready to go through a major change in your life? And I believe this would be the answer they would get. None. <laughs> None. See, the last time I checked, God created us. We didn't create God. The last time I checked, God is Lord over us. We're not Lord over God. So that means that we don't need, he don't need our permission in order to make a change in our life. We are no different than they were. You nor I have any say so over when God decides that the time has come for us to line up with the next part of the destiny and the purpose that he has for your life. See, you do know you're not a mistake, right? You do know your, your actions or your incidences are not who you are. That's what you did. You do know that when God created you, he created a masterpiece. Amen. You do know that you're so wonderfully intrinsically made that when he made you, he broke the mold. You do know that, right? You do know that you are the thought of God in living flesh. You are the thought of God in living flesh. In fact, there are no two people on the earth, preacher Kevin, that have the exact DNA. There are no two people. 
Because if we are all supposed to be a duplicate of somebody else, I got one question. Which one is unnecessary? You don't need two of the exact same thing. And if one was created in perfection and another is a copy, which one is unnecessary? Be the you that God created you to be. And let God take care of the rest of everything. God won't tell you when he's coming to interrupt your life. He'll just do it. Jeremiah 29 and 11 states that God knows the plan and the purpose that he has for our life. If God knows the plan that he has for your life, then shouldn't he also know when a divine interruption is needed in your life to help you to get to that next place? Although with the fact that we have no say so over when God decides to interrupt our lives, there's something else that we need to understand. Your divine interruption will probably require more than what you expected. Your divine interruption is probably going to require more than what you plan to give up. Your divine interruption is going to shake your life at some point so much that you're going to try and run the other way just like Jonah. Oh, but God, what he has for you and what he has for you to do, you will do it. It will come to pass. I can promise you that. And any time where we see God doing anything major in a person's life, causing them to walk into their purpose, it normally will cost them a lot more than they bargained for. Have you ever found yourself saying that, Lord, I want to do this and I want to do that, but God, I didn't know it was going to take all of this. I, I didn't know it was going to require all of this. My lovely sister who volunteers at the food bank, I'm sure when she initially started out, she saw one thing. Oh, but God pricked her heart to keep on going when nobody else was showing. God pricked her heart to be faithful in little. And now, as she said, they're expanding and God is making them rulers over much. When God calls you and taps you, you ain't got no say so of what the cost is going to be. He just needs a willing vessel. In both of these situations, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, as well with James and John, when it came time for them to walk into their destiny, a change, a, a divine interruption had to take place. And it cost them more than what they had bargained for. All four of these men had in their minds that they would take over at some point the family's business. See, both of them were working on the fishing line, right? Both of them were working in their father's business, right? Well, would it not be safe to say at some point they were going to take over? But see, God has something else in mind. God said, no, that's what you thought was going to happen. Now, let me tell you what I say is going to happen. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. If you want to make God laugh, tell him what you're going to do with your life. And I promise you, in most cases, it ain't going to look like what you thought. See, God has a way of getting us from point A to point Z. But all them letters in the middle, he don't tell you them. He'll give you a glimpse of what's to come. Not the whole picture. 
He'll give you a glimpse. But he won't show you everything you got to go through to get there. See, some people have been made to think that their mistakes are the end of who they are. The devil is a lie. It takes manure to grow flowers, am I correct? Sometimes we got to go through a manure season in our life in order to get fertilized so we can bloom the way God wants us to. Sometimes we got to go through that sticky, messy stuff in our life in order to see, God, you got something for me and I'm going to walk it out. Stop letting people make you feel like you don't have no purpose. Stop letting people make you feel like what you've done or where you've been is the end. That's all you are. When God created you, he had a plan in mind. When God created you, he had a purpose that needed to be fulfilled. When God created Simon Peter, when he created John and James, he said, you're going to be fishers of men. And they didn't even know it. In their mind, they were always going to be working on the boats. They were going to be running the crews. They were going to be doing the daily business, the day-to-day actions. But God said, oh no, I need you to leave that because what I got for you is greater. What I got for you is more. What I got from, for you is what my people need. And therefore, I'm going to pull you out of your safe place. I'm going to pull you out of your comfort zone. Has anybody in here besides me ever been snatched out of your comfort zone by God? I know I've been snatched sometimes. And I'm like, God, what in the world are you doing? What in the world is going on? Why me, God? And I can hear God sometimes in my ear saying, why not you? Why not you? Why did I go to Calvary? Because you needed me to. Why did I give up my life in your place? Because you couldn't pay the debt. So why not you? If he's willing to die for me, shouldn't I be willing to live for him? If he's willing to lay down his life for me, should I not also be willing to give up my life for him? See, that's where the interruption comes into play. That's where the change comes into play. That's where the ministry of interruption comes into play. God has a plan. And his plan don't always make sense. One of the things we need to understand is this fact. God has a plan. But how you get there is his business. It's not our business. It's not our business to decide our path. I promise you if I was to take a poll in this room, everybody in here done made some decisions that if they look back, they wish they would not have. They've gone down some roads. If they could go back and change it, they would wish they had not. They found themselves in some places, in some pits like Joseph. And they wish they'd have never got there. But can I tell you this? There's a message tied in the misery. There's a ministry connected to the ministry, to the misery. Whatever we go through is literally training so we can walk out and reign in the vineyard that God has for us. You don't go through nothing just because. 
You ain't seen no dark days just because. You, you ain't had no hard times just because. Everything we go through is for really for somebody else. See, you can get blessed in the process. But what God really does in you and through you, it was never about you. It was about somebody else. See, everything that God does, he does with a bigger purpose than we could ever imagine. He does with a plan that we could never conceive. He does it with his people in mind. So he is able to send a shepherd boy to fight a battle that he wasn't prepared to fight on his own. He is able to send someone that was raised in the palace to the backside of the mountain to get more training. He is able to take you from where you are and break you just enough that when you come back together, you got something to give the people. If you look at the feeding of the 5,000, in either instance, here's something you don't want to miss. He broke, excuse me, he blessed, he broke, and he gave. Correct? What happened to the scraps? Did he not collect them all? Each time, he said, ain't nothing going to be lost. And ain't nothing going to be wasted. Every breaking in your life has a purpose. Every breaking in your life is going to be used. Nothing will be wasted. These four men gave up everything. And they had to give up more than I even ever thought. They gave up their jobs. They gave up their right to be next in line to run the family business. They gave up their stability of knowing that how they would pay their bills. They gave up the understanding of where they would live or where they would lay down their head. And here's one I think all of us in here today need to work on. They had to give up their reputation and their titles and not be bothered about what folk had to say about them. If I had to spend all my time worrying about what folks said about me, let me tell you, I wouldn't get nothing done. Is he crazy? Is he lost his mind? Why does he think that we need to be responsible and help people that have had some bad turns in the justice system, that have had some rough life? They made them choices. I didn't. Has he lost it all? But here's the reality. When God calls you, you can't say no. When God calls you, you may try to delay it. But I promise you it's going to come to pass. See, there's something we need to understand. Everything I got belongs to God. There's nothing I got that don't belong to God. The cattle are his. The gold is his. The silver is his. My life is his. My life is his. So everything I got belongs to God. He just loans it to you for a little while. And he loans it to you to see, will you be a good steward over what I put in your hand? To be faithful over little. He can make you ruler over much. 
See, we got to get to that place that, you know, I can love you, brother. I can love your sister, but I can't get to the place that what you got to say about me gets me to take my eyes off of God. I can't let what you say or what you think about me cause me to say, God, I don't want to do what you want me to do. I can't make that mistake. I have to keep my eyes on the prize. I got to keep my eyes on reaching out on that thing that, that God has put before me. I can't look back. I can't take my hands off the plow. If you are going to be somebody that people can sway and change just like that, get ready. You got some more breaking to come. God will break you until you fit into his plan. God will break you until you're ready to be put on display. See, that's the beauty of our God. That's the beauty of the ministry of interruption. God told Abram to leave his father's house. He said, I'm going to make your father of many nations. But he didn't tell him what it was going to cost him. God told David, you're going to be the next king of Israel. But he didn't tell him he was going to have some giant-sized fights in his life. And after much study of the scripture, I am convinced, preacher Kevin, that Jesus knew that the father needed him to redeem mankind. But I really don't think the father revealed the true costs. Why do I say that? Matthew 24 and 36 says, and this is Jesus teaching. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. See, there's some things God will give in pieces. And I do believe the redemption of mankind was something that God revealed in a piece to the son. Because it was in that garden that he began to sweat drops of blood when he really realized what it was going to cost. In fact, he even said, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass by me. In other words, let me break that down in some English. Lord God, are you serious? I ain't trying to go through all that. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Saints of God is in that garden experience that we will begin to see the clear vision of what God has and wants from us. It will be safe to say that our life that I envisioned for myself is not the same life that God envisioned. But I thank God. It's through the ministry of interruption that God puts everything in line. See, sometimes you got to break this over here to get it to fit over there. Sometimes you got to cut this over here because maybe the pride is too long. And so you got to cut some of the pride off to get it to fit over here where it's supposed to be. See, the ministry of interruption is about realigning. It's not about hurting. It's through the ministry of interruption that God will continue to shape us and mold us into what it is he wants us to be. I thank God for the ministry of interruption. I thank God when it doesn't make sense to me. When things are not going according to what I had planned. It's actually going according to God's plan. Saints of God, I want you to get something as I prepare to take my seat here shortly. If you could have created the world, would we have needed God? 
I think that's what Job was trying to convey in his conversation with God. When God says, where was you? Then I put the sun in the sky. Where was you when I hung them stars up there? Where was you when I told the ocean to come right here and stop and don't go no farther? Where was you? Did I ask you what to do? That's a God that says this. I know what I need and have for your life. And you may have to go through the breaking in order to get to where I want you to be. Saints of God, don't let the test persuade you to walk away from what God has put before your hands. Don't get like Elijah or Elisha when you're behind the ox every day walking behind the, the ox. A good job, a good life, but at the end of the day, you're still looking at the back end of an ox and you're still walking in manure. Let's, let's get what God has for us. He had to leave what he had to. He had to look beyond where he was. He had to believe, God, I hear you and I will obey. Saints of God, is there anybody in here that has heard God speaking to you, but it ain't been making sense? Has there anybody heard God telling you, I want this or put this vision in your mind, but you're saying, I don't have the resources. I don't have the education. Can I tell you this? He don't call the qualified. He qualifies those he calls. See, you, you may not need that education. Anointing can go farther. You may not need those resources. Favor may go farther. Saints, could God learn how to embrace those interruptions in your life? Learn how to look at them from a different point of view. See, I'm convinced of this too. That God even interrupted Jesus' life. How, how, how can you say that, preacher? Because one day, he found himself on the road to a place called Golgotha. One day, he found himself going to do something he did not really think he was going to have to do. That was to hang on a cross in your place. That was to give up his life for my life. That was to make a way out of no way for those of us who ain't got no way. Oh, but here's the reality. God even interrupted Satan. Wait a minute, preacher, what you saying? It was on the third day when the devil thought he had won, preacher came my Bible tells me that the ground got to shaking. Ah, stuff got to moving. Wasn't nobody doing it but God. And I'm, I'm, I'm told there was this stone. Let me break this down to you. Stone back then was a huge boulder that blocked the entrance to the cave. And somehow, some way, he rolled the stone away. So see, the devil was throwing a party. He thought he had the victory. He thought he had won. But on that third day, God said, oh no, I'm going to interrupt what you got going on. I'm going to do something you didn't see coming. And my Bible tells me he got up out the grave with all power in his hands. If God can interrupt Peter, James, John, 
if God can interrupt Abram, Moses, David, if God can interrupt the son, Jesus, and if God can interrupt the plan of the devil, will you please allow him to interrupt your life so he can get out of you what he desires? Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this place? If I have liberty, saints of God, I know what it's like to be at a place that you feel like you're lost and you don't know where you're going. I, I know what it's like to have made some bad choices or the wrong choice. Let me put it that way. And you feel like there's no hope. There's nothing else that can, can happen from here. I know what it's like to have a child that I poured everything into that I could from the word of God. But the child made some choices too. And I know how dry of a place that can be. But I also know this. God will speak to you in those dry places. God will speak to you in those lonely nights. If you're here this morning with the permission of your pastor and you find yourself in a place that you're saying, God, I need some clarity. God, I need some answers. God, I need you to show me where do I go from here? How do I handle this situation? What do you say, Lord? If you're in this place and if you will allow me, I want to join together with you in prayer. That God will give you the answers and the direction that you are seeking. It says one in here this morning that needs to say, God, what's next? Where do I go from here? God, I don't see it. Come on, my sister. If there's one in here that, that, that needs that, that extra nudge from God to show you which way to go and to give you the direction you need, will you make your way to the altar? Is it one? Sometimes the loneliest roads are those roads we think we're walking by ourselves. But here's the reality. Just because you don't see God, that don't mean God ain't there. Just because he's not in your visual or you can't feel him tangibly, that don't mean he ain't there. Just because it don't look like it's supposed to look in your mind, that don't mean God's not involved. Just because it don't make sense to other people. That don't mean it don't make sense to God. See, we, we serve a God that saw the end from the beginning. And that included our life. He knew every mess up and mistake we were going to make before we even made it. And just like that clay on the potter's wheel, he didn't throw it away. He made it over again new. See, sometimes he got to get some of them rocks out of our life. Sometimes he got to smooth out some of them lumps in our life. But he's committed to us. 
and he's committed to what he created us to be in the beginning. He's not in the throwing away business. He's in the restoring business. My sister said something about the thrift store and bringing in items that can be cleaned up and someone can use. See, see, God, God's in that kind of business. Where you may think there's no value, somebody out there needs it. Where you think it might not have any worth, somebody needs just what you got. And it may come through the breaking. Will you pray with me all in the sanctuary saints? Father God, thank you. I thank you for everybody at this altar right now, God. That they don't allow pride or what they think of themselves to keep them from seeking you and getting what it is you have for them. I thank you, God, because you do a whole lot with humbleness. I thank you, God, that you said you'll never leave us nor forsake us. I thank you, God, that they trust you enough. That they don't go to man and say, what should I do? They're coming to you and saying, God, what should I do? I thank you, God. And now, Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak to them individually. Speak to them concerning that matter that's in their heart. That matter that's on their minds. Give them the wisdom and the discernment they need to be what you want them to be. Show them, God, how to take the scraps and pick them all up that somebody else can be fed. God, I thank you that you're going to order their steps and direct their paths. Lord, I thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice in the sanctuary, in the parking lot, over the airwaves. Lead them. Guide them. Cause them to know that you are still God. And above you, there is none other. And God, for this, we will be careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, did you enjoy Ramon? Amen. As we get ready to close this thing out this morning, I just want to quote one of my favorite theologians. Very schooled and very smart.